Stop laughing. Hello, I'm Vic Baines. Oh, right, I'm Becky Pinkard. Yes, thank you. I am Nicola Whiting. Oh, nice. good, good voice With for radio. Nice, I see how we are then. Good okay. voice for radio. And we have somewhat spoiled the surprise. Um, because oh, right. today, we've got a guest today. We've got a guest. I don't know if you noticed. Um, and this is Cyber Warrior Princess, number five. A little bit later than we had anticipated, but no, life really happened. paying attention to that, I think. They are. Only, no, we have... It's only you. We ha- No, we have a loyal fan base of about seven people. If you count your brother, it's eight now. My brother, my small brother, Graham Baines, the world-renowned cheerleader. That's a nice shout-out to him. Um, he was very disappointed, he told me yesterday, that, that we hadn't done another episode because oh. he was on a long flight back from Florida the other day. And um, he didn't have enough episodes. Well, I say re-listen to the four that we've produced. Right. Because <laughs> there's bound to be gems and subliminal messages. And, you know, if you play it backwards, <laughs> there are death say, threats in you there. You didn't tell me you were doing subliminal messaging. I've forgotten to do that. Um, it's worth thinking about, though, isn't it? Subversion. Um, Wait, that's perfect. That takes us into our topic for today. Right. I was going to ask you about that, Beck. So I think, as we do have Nick, may I call you Nick on the podcast? You can. As we do have Nick with us today. Because it is the, the Beck, Vic and Nick. Vic, Nick and Beck. Vic, Nick and Beck. Nick, Beck and Beck <laughs> show. Is it Nick Mac a thing here? Is that a crisp? Is that yeah. A... Oh, yeah. yes, a bit like a cheesy what's it, but a bit more gnarly. Okay, that's sidebar. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Wait a minute, can we first, before we talk about the topic, can yeah. we just share, Nick, are you comfortable sharing what you said after you listened to some of the podcasts, the previous podcast, what you felt it reminded you of? <laughs> I said it felt like eavesdropping on a train. You kind of couldn't help yourself doing it, but you felt slightly naughty as you did yes. so. I say mission achieved. I'm really, that. really proud of that. Chuffed to bits with yeah. that. <laughs> Although, I wouldn't mind it if you listen to a few more episodes, Nick. <laughs> Just put in a bit more effort. <laughs> I'll, I'll book a long flight. <laughs> Apparently, it's well suited to that. Uh, so, on that note. <clears throat> yeah, so we're here today because um, uh, what happened to talk to Nick after your, your one of your most recent presentations, uh, where you were talking about uh, the way to build stronger cybersecurity teams. And I absolutely loved, and, and Vic and I talked about, absolutely loved the way that you brought the message together. And, as you know, I'm a huge fan of yours anyways, so it just seemed like awesome timing to have you come on the show and, uh, yeah, to have a chat about it. Thanks. <laughs> and for the listening public, just to say we are going to be sharing the link to the talk. Yeah. So we're not just going to be describing no, your talk and then it. leaving people in the ether. Make them find it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think, I think we can lead... The cyber horses to water. They could they could leverage it from my Twitter feed. Yes. Oh yes. Follow Nick. Yes. What's your um? What's your Twitter handle? Cyber Go Giver. You had to think about that for a second, didn't you? No, I just wanted to pronounce Cyber Go Giver in a way that would impact their brains subliminally and make them click. One more time. Cyber. Go give up. It's a very good voice. Wow. It's a very good I love. Yeah. It. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually had more listeners. You might get picked up for a radio slot. Off I do have the face for radio. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Hates the podcast, my yeah. dear. <laughs> we'll, we'll take a photo later. You've been on telly, so shut up. <laughs> so you. Right, anyway. But enough. not again, obviously. We see what happened there. Yes. <laughs> they just 
Ooh, crikey. Put her back in the cupboard. <laughs> I meant me, not you, love. It's fine. Right. It's fine. Um, so, how do we build strong cybersecurity workforces, Nicola Whiting, as I hand the imaginary microphone to you? Well, well, in the, um, the conversation that I had with... You know, a mere bagatelle of about 150 people as I, you know, spewed my innermost thoughts. Where, where I started with that is, what are, we, what are we trying to do in cyber? What, what the heck is our goal? And most people would say we're trying to defend ourselves against attackers or mm-hmm. protect ourselves against the bad guys. You know, a few people are doing more um, productive things, but most of us are, uh, are in that, that mindset. And, and where I started with that is, well, okay, if we're, if we're going to try and defend ourselves against those attackers, what do they look like? And it came to me as a startling revelation from the ether that they're not all middle-aged white guys. Right. And yet we keep putting the same people up against them over and over again and then wondering why they find ways in. But that yeah. is a great visual, and isn't it? A bunch of middle-aged white guys in hoodies. <laughs> is that why they keep blanking their faces at this is I why this to make them look more sinister. Yeah. And this is why we kind of need to invade more more cybersecurity events, really, because that is kind of what it looks like. Although they, they do try and disguise themselves now by dyeing their beards and growing them long. I have yeah. noticed. It's now more like Gandalf on hoodie Phil. But anyway, I digress. Um, so so basically that's that's where it started. It was like, okay. If this is truly our goal, then the people that we're up against are essentially from different races and different, uh, well, we're all one race, but different ethnicities, mm-hmm. um, different backgrounds, different sexualities, different sexes, different ages, countries, different yeah, ages, yeah. life and experiences, different life experiences. And so if we're going to have any chance of really thinking like an attacker, then we need to diversify. So that was that was one thread. Mm-hmm. Love it. And then the other thread was, we, we often say people are our, our strongest asset. And, and our weakest. I prefer strongest. So negative. I'm looking at it as a security person. Yeah, it's, it's bred into us. Security people do have this. I know, but if we mention the word vulnerability, I'm going to go off on one. <laughs> I feel vulnerable right now. Let's let Nick get back to her point. <laughs> so anyway, we often, we often say that there are... are our strongest asset, as in we, we invest in people, all that kind of stuff. And yet, if you look at finance, you would never put all your your money into one asset portfolio. You right. would diversify, because if you didn't, you'd be thought of as dumb. Yeah. And yet, we kind of talk about diversity in a really different way to that. We talk about it like a social enterprise, like the right thing to do for the people that need a hand up. You know, look at all those people who are in the minority groups. We, as people in the boardroom, should do something fabulous. We should help them. Equal opportunity. Um, I just saw a posting last week where someone specifically called out, we're here to help the weaker people. I saw that. It, it was actually... That? So, uh, this, so that was really interesting because it was actually the fallout from a company that had done something really dumb, but something very common, in that they'd used an agency to do hiring for them. Mm-hmm. And apparently, from speaking through some people in that kind of recruitment oh. industry, what had happened is they'd sent some notes saying what we'd like here is a white person That's it. or Caucasians a Caucasian only. That's what and what we'd like yeah. here is a woman. 
and normally those those kind of notes don't make it through the filter of right. the recruitment agency but apparently there was somebody new and shiny and so they just put it in the job advert or someone who is looking to smash the patriarchy or whatever um so the thing that is normally said behind closed doors actually came out into the public and then there was a whole heap of um, car car that landed on that particular company. As you can imagine, there was a big outcry. It it was posted from the States, wasn't it? I I won't name the company. I can't remember the company. Let's be honest, I don't remember the company name. You do. I don't know if you want to name it or not. But it actually, the first line of the job advert said, Caucasian only. Yeah, yeah, preferably Caucasian, I think was the... So preferably Caucasian. And then the other one was said, you know, looking for a woman. But but essentially, that is the sort of stuff that happens all the time behind the closed doors. Behind the closed doors, yeah. Exactly. And it was just it happened to make it into the job so effort. So that is a really important point for me, I think, and particularly having worked in the tech industry, having worked in traditionally male-dominated, kind of military-dominated environments mm. like law enforcement, is some of the larger companies talk a good job mm. on diversity. They say, oh, we have this in place and we have parental leave and we have things in place for you know um, women to come back to work and we have veterans programs and we have this and we have the other but actually doing it and really committing to it to me feels like a a a different matter well it's hard to commit to because then you have to do the extra work to commit to it and isn't it easier just to not hire the person that needs the maternity leave because then you don't have to worry about oh what do we do when they go out on maternity leave as an example and then the, because I know you're going to approach it from a much more positive perspective, but let's do a little bit of the kind of the, just the doomsday. <laughs> and Beck mentioned the, the smash the patriarchy thing. That's a, you won't be able to see that. That's a reference to my little necklace that has a little toffee hammer on it, which I, you know, I like toffee. I like to have a hammer it's available. Very tiny indeed. For such an eventuality. It's not very practical, but it does say smash the patriarchy on it. And it was a gift from some uh, like-minded female humans, for which I'm very grateful. Um, But when we're talking about gender balance specifically in cyber, we quite often hear people say that it's a pipeline problem, there aren't enough girls doing STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, maths, and that we're waiting for them to come through. And I was... um, I I do a lot of after-dinner speaking, don't you know? And I was speaking at a dinner uh, a couple of months back um, and somehow it got on to uh, gender balance and a white middle-aged guy got quite angry and said, you say that we need to have greater diversity in cyber. We're trying. We're trying to lift these women up, I thought. That's the weaker phrase. We're trying to lift these women up. But we find that when we interview them, they're not qualified enough. And to which I said, if you don't mind me saying so, one, it sounds like you're not trying hard enough. And two, maybe your qualifications are the things that are wrong. Mm. So can I add something there? So I genuinely don't think it's a pipeline problem. I know you don't either. Mm. What I actually think is it's a bias problem. And I I, I say that in a really specific way, in that I genuinely believe that most people want to be fair when they're hiring. They want to hire, quote, the best person for the job. You you hear that Mm -hmm. a lot. And actually, it's one of the the commonest rebuttals. I've even spoken to somebody quite dear to all of us, who I absolutely admire, 
And they literally said, oh, the problem I've got is I want to hire the best person for the job. I don't want them to feel like they got it just because, mm-hmm. yeah. insert smaller group here. Now, the thing is, everybody has biases inside them. Mm-hmm. I do. There's, there's a thing called the Harvard bias test. You can look it up on Google. It will take you to the page. It is so disturbing to you that it even has a warning on the page to say, you are going to find stuff out that may make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Only click through if you're comfortable that that is going to happen to you. Because it is disturbing to find out, as I did one and a half years ago, that at that time I had a preference towards white people because mm-hmm. they were like me. Today, actually a year and a half later, I've done the test very recently and I've actually got a, mod, uh, a preference towards people of colour mm. and quite a moderate preference towards gay people rather than straight people. But here's the thing. If you want to be fair but you don't know where your bias lies, you, f- you can't be. Yeah. You can't be because you don't know where mm. your scale is. And I used to be one of those people that railed against positive discrimination. I used to be. Mm. I genuinely thought it was unfair to positively discriminate towards people and and neglect people that had worked just as hard. Mm. Now I have a different view. And the reason I have a different view is, let's say that a year and a half ago I'd found out that I I was moderately biased towards white people and and somebody that was a person of colour came to be interviewed by me. Now, I would have had to be positively discriminating towards them to even make it fair. Mm. So I actually have a slightly different view of positive discrimination. To me, it's levelling the playing field. Mm -hmm. You can even go... I'd actually go even further now because I've realised that the playing field is so far behind for some people that it's not about lifting people up. Mm -hmm. It's actually about giving them the same opportunities and it's not even because it's the right thing to do. To me... It's the only way we're actually ever going to really have any opportunity to solve the problems that cyber is so beset with and you know that they are not going to solve in any other way because otherwise we wouldn't still have problems with cyber hygiene. We wouldn't still have the same breaches happening for the same dumb reasons. We wouldn't have Amazon abandoning automated job creation programs because it's automatically deselecting women because guess what it's read the bias in from the previous thing as we're moving forward further into ai deployment Mm, and when you look at the statistics for ai professors which are something like 80 something percent male and you wonder then why bias is creeping into those algorithms Mm. it's because people aren't they don't just don't realise. They don't. They I don't just had think a about flash it. Flash forward though. Can you imagine? So if we can't correct more of this now for yeah. stuff like AI in particular, yeah. where is that going to leave us now as we continue to grow AI and grow it across all the various facets of our lives that it touches right now? Where is that going to leave us in the next ten to twenty years? But with a bigger problem. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's not just about um, it's not just about gender diversity. I mean, no, there, there are no, no, no. horrific stories of AIs trying to do sentencing. And again, the data mm. disparity on mm. the sentences against people of colour versus 
Caucasian people. Was that in the States? I remember yeah. reading something about but that. But there's also been a similar um, story about the Met's use of AI in Operation Trident, so the Guns and Gangs yes. program, yes, 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 where yes. Um, young people of colour were finding that they were having their benefits removed, not even necessarily because they had been involved in crime, but because they were on a big matrix. It's all the network analysis stuff that yeah. I used to do in, in the police, where you've got a big chart of connections. If you're on that map, if you're connected to somebody, yeah. if you're seen to be, you know, kind of gravitating in the, the same circles, that somehow that would also impact on, yeah. you know, benefits, decision making and, and things like that. But I'm, Nick, I'm really interested in the idea of positive discrimination. The, the way that you've described it is that it's, um, it's for individuals to do. Yes. Because when we think about positive discrimination, we think about it as an organisational thing. It's something that right. like company does, that, yes. yeah, the yeah. organisation does. Yeah. I had never thought about positive discrimination as being something positive that individuals could do to yes. take charge of a situation. So, um, so as we're in a cyber, cyber warrior princess mode. Um, Let's let's talk because you did mention the word vulnerability, so I'm going to bring it back uh, in, but in a different context because nice. I always like reframing things. So if you were going to do the vulnerabilities on your network, the first thing you do is identify them, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing you do is find what the gaps are, and find what the algorithms are that you're using to find them. Mm -hmm. So you know, examine the tools you're using, see how good they are. Yeah. Well, when you're hiring somebody, the tool that you're using is you. The brain that you're using is a 150,000-year-old running on Windows XP. <laughs> is this the monkey brain bit? This is the monkey brain bit. So basically, we have a, an algorithm that is not fit for purpose when choosing candidates. Ooh. Cultivated over, yes, hundreds of thousands of years. And that, our default, program, and our default and... program is biased. Yeah. So the only way to change that is to bring that bias into the light, to get people who are hiring to do those bias tests. They don't even need to share them, because if you do mm. genuinely believe, as I do, that people inherently are fair in the majority, then I think once you know that, and then you're given tools to maybe help change that, mm -hmm then that's when things start to change. Because I do believe change is always individual. Mm -hmm. You can legislate stuff, but there's two things that happen when you legislate things. Either people will try and get round it, or people will try and tick box it, yep. or a very few people who would have already done it anyway mm -hmm. will use it to make themselves better. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is always a self-selection process. Yeah. There will always be somebody that cling to their bias like a rock in a storm, not knowing that they're washing themselves away. And that there will be other people that will use those tests as rafts and move away to a, a better land than a barren rock. So the power of, say, the Harvard test is as a self-awareness yes. tool. And you've just reminded me. Well, when you were talking about it, I thought, you know, I have done it. And I did it in my last employment. Oh, yeah, I did it years ago as well. But I, I was trying to think, you know, what were the results for me? And full disclosure, I found... I slightly preferred men to women. And yet here we are on a princess podcast. Well right. done you. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. So yes, I've made progress, everybody. But I, as the only girl in my class at school, as the first female head prefect of what had traditionally been a boys' school, who then went to work in law enforcement, 
kind of which was massively male dominated at the time, certainly in the organisations that I worked in. I, I kind of thought back and I thought, well, of course, I'm, I'm kind of massively, or I have been in the past, massively deferential to male authority. Mm. And I've had experiences in the last 10 years, let's say, that have allowed me to challenge that deference. Mm. Um, and I think differently now. But to think that I still had those subconscious yeah. vestiges of that. But this goes back to, again, how you're raised, right? So we, before you got here, Nick, apologies, but so we were having a bit of a natter about this. And I was, I was telling Vic that the way that I grew up, my grandmother in particular on, uh, well, it doesn't matter which side, my, my, one of my grandmothers, uh, was very, you know, very strictly conservatively Christian and told me, I was about 13 or 14, that women were created to serve men. And I was a child, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I was, I grew up being told, respect your parents, you know. So I, <clears throat> I was a kid that grew up, and this, my father used to love to say this, bless him. Uh, he, he's passed away several years ago, but he used to love to say this. It was God first, family second, country third. And so I grew up believing and, and very adamantly believing, you know, that th- these are the priorities for me. This is my level of respect, you know, is for, is for my Lord and Savior. And, and kudos to all of those that still strongly believe that. And I have, a, we're not going to go religious. I have a totally different belief system now. But because of that, then when my grandmother told me that, it dramatically impacted mm-hmm. my understanding of my place in the world. And it took me a long time to sort of jive that with how I felt. Because I had a lot of crazy thoughts, right? Mm. I was this kid in West Texas, and I was reading. I read like crazy, like voraciously. That's weird for a star. Well, for a weirdo in West Texas, it was really weird. But I was just like, I wanted to travel, and I wanted, you know. And none of these things lined up with, I'm here to serve a man. And so it took me a really long time to, like, bring yeah. all of this together. So you know? so much stuff. So I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm not religious. And the reason I say that is, and I, and I really am a fervent believer but if you actually look at what Jesus did he brought prostitutes into his into his followers he treated women equally and even when you look at the old testament woman was created from the rib of man she wasn't created from his head to top him and she wasn't created from his feet to be stepped upon she was created from his side to be equal to him okay that's a nice use of wish metaphor. I would have known that to tell my grandmother <laughs> But, you know, near his heart to be loved by him, shall we say. But essentially, she wasn't made from his footbone. And a lot of the religious messages that all faiths get are actually about control. Mm. And who were the religious leaders of the time? Mm. Guys. So is, is that about... So that's a nice parallel in a way, because control is... Until has until recently been the dominant way of running a business as well, hasn't it? Yeah. So we're thinking about vertical hierarchical, like a hierarchical structures. Yeah. <laughs> but we've wrapped so many beautiful things around it about leadership now that nobody know, right, really does. Right. So we have we have so people so read all books, the books. They so go to books. the people so make a lot books. of money out of motivational conferences and things like that, don't they? Trumpet manufacturers. You know those bounce up and down like Tony oh, I Robbins. Thought, I thought you meant. I thought you meant trumpets. I know. I, I thought too. that was like a, a bunch of groupies. I thought I was like, wait but, a minute. I don't know about this. I'm American. The trumpets. <laughs> well, it would be the strumpets, okay. wouldn't they? It would be the ones dressed with overflowing, <laughs> oh, overflowing chests and things. The strumpets. 
god. I've got an image. Just not let it go, Vic. I've got an, an overflowing oh. beer. I need to come back into the room. I'm back in the room. I'm back in the room. I'm back in the room. But, do you know what I mean? I think because you know you read all this stuff about oh women are more cooperative at work and you know oh, facilitating yes. teamwork <laughs> and this that and the other. But don't take credit for stuff. And I'm, I'm and I've got to the point where I'm bored of reading this. Um, you know, do we need to be a little bit more strident, anarchist oh, about right this? <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going to blow anything up. Or if I do, I'm not going to talk about it on a podcast first. That's, I'm just that, saying. Nothing's getting blown up. But do we need to be thinking business differently and organisations differently? Do we need, to, yes, you do need to have some kind of overall vision and some direction and some regulation of what a lot people of, are doing. I think a lot of women would absolutely agree with you. I actually think a lot of men would probably agree with you as well, especially men that are in tech, either tech-driven or tech-focused companies, because I think that they see that the old ways of business, you know, are not successful and have already changed a lot of them, and we will continue to do so. But I think it's not necessarily been driven down into the people management layers. And it's interesting when we go back to cyber, cyber we've traditionally had people coming from military backgrounds, from law enforcement, quite often from the more hierarchical organisational structures. And I wonder what it takes to leave behind some of those oh well you're one of the good old boys well you know you'll be oh, okay just inside. that can i tell you how many times i've had a conversation with someone who's been like a in a manager position you know for one of my teams and they'll say i need to discipline someone on my team how would i dis? what can i do to discipline what, with a them? stick and i'm just like what first of all we don't discipline people in the company <laughs> to have this conversation around the fact that I understand your mindset and that you're frustrated and that, but it's that kind of thing again that I don't necessarily I, think it's a woman thing. It's like I someone's think, kicking a puppy under no, the stairs. I, isn't it? I, I think mean. that's I think that's more what you're talking about though, coming but from like a military type of. It's all Defcon, but it's just <laughs> language. So here's the thing. You, you have the really new, beautiful leadership things now. And you go to an interview, what are your areas for improvement? <laughs> and everybody knows what that means is. Can I what that means out? is, <laughs> yeah. what are you bad at? I haven't got any. I haven't got any areas for improvement. That's I'm... true. If it wasn't for your modesty, you'd have no faults exactly. at all. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, basically, people aren't dumb. So what well, they know what you're doing. It's like, here's that special sandwich. We're going to praise you. And then I go, oh, oh here's God. the next bit. And then we're going to make it feel better afterwards. But oh. basically, you still go away going, yeah. Yeah. We all know what that sandwich is Learning called. points. Yeah. <laughs> well. Learning points and take... So takeaways and sandwiches, it's all very food. Yeah. 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 I wonder I'm always hungry at work. Yeah. <laughs> Where are my takeaways? Um, so, look, you may have noticed we've digressed a little. We've, we've talked a little bit about the, you know, the, the gender side of things, but diversity is, it seems very crass to say it, about so much more yeah. than just the gender thing. Well, absolutely, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's... it's for me, and, and again, I'll, I'll talk about Digital Shadow, it's been my most recent experience here, but it's been fascinating because we have hired so many, and we've worked with so many amazing people from so many different countries, and backgrounds, and faiths, and experiences, and I know that companies have that. Um, it's not something that we originally set out to do, 
it happened sort of because of the types of jobs we were hiring for, and then we got a focus around it. We got a focus around it mostly because I came in here and I was like, mm, I want to talk about the women balance because when I first got here, I was like, the women balance is weird, man. <laughs> it was about 30% when I walked in the door, female, and I'd never had that. And I was like, there's a lot of ladies here, you know. It's not Yeah. And so then we started talking about it, but then it started to become about, let's talk about like people of color. Right? So where are people of color in this organization? Where are the people that are feel open to be you know, gay, lesbian, and bisexual, or trans? You know, Where are those people? Do they feel welcome here? And then that's where we started talking about the welcome message and putting mm -hmm. up the quote-unquote welcome map for those folks. And then when I heard your presentation and you tied all of this you know, diversity in business, which I know a lot of people out there maybe listening might be going, oh yeah, warm, fuzzy, fuzzy, you know, everybody's happy and diverse in the company. I loved your message around it's actually good for business and mm -hmm. here's why it's good for business. And that was something to, for me that I originally sort of veered away from because I was like, oh, we don't want to talk about diversity and profit. That's not right, you know? <laughs> no, let's talk about diversity yeah. and profit. It makes sense, you know? That's so, the yeah. bit that's going to affect the share price. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas doing it just because it's the right thing to do so might I've, not be enough. I've left, I've left boardrooms because the, of the mix. Right. Because... Um, I'm not going to swear, but you know how the the <laughs> no f's given. Yes. It's kind of a yeah. so I'm I'm a different believer. I'm specifically focused f's given. I like it. So I'm going to choose where I'm going to yeah. use my energy because I've been in places where um, I've I've been on boards where literally all the guys get asked and you're sitting there going, okay, am I making the tea? Mm -hmm. And it. I've been asked to take notes. That's that's really that's really hard, <laughs> particularly when you you kind of wait till the till you know everybody's had their their say, and then you say something at the end, and it's treated like it's some divine revelation, which to me, being neurodiverse because my mind makes patterns differently, is evident that something may or may not work, mm. and it's like so I get asked to be on these boards a lot, but it sometimes is like you know it's, it's just painful mm. that you have to have all of this stuff go around the, the room mm. and I'm not good at that stuff it's not my natural flow I I don't have shades of gray mm. so I've, I've actually taken to having really deep conversations with people and they ask me to contribute now and say like look I've got no shades of gray I'm going to be really direct if you're okay with that, you'll benefit. Mm -hmm. And if you're not okay with that, tell me now because I'd rather not be in the room. Yeah. Because I, I will be <laughs> I will be very fervent. Um, and 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 that's taken forty eight years to get to that point. Whereas yeah. before, um, so I've I've done this exercise with people where I've I've put a slide up, and I've and I've put some words on it. Things like challenging, authoritative. Um, and other words like that, and and I've and I've put it. You know, would you hire this this CEO? And I put a guy's picture on it, and then I've done exactly the same side and put a woman's picture and say, does the language meaning change for you when it's a woman's picture? Yeah. And in inevitably, it does. Absolutely. So challenging is seen as difficult for a woman. It's seen as growth mm -hmm. for a guy. Yeah. I had exactly that conversation with a, a manager, a previous manager of mine, and. Um, he said, you know, you're ambitious and you're a perfectionist. 
And then there was a pause and you went, oh, and that's not a bad thing. I said, really? Because the way you said it, it sounded like it was no, a bad thing. it certainly thing. sounds like it's a... But in a subsequent conversation, he then told me to um, work less hard and spend more time with my husband. No, he did not. So it was definitely gendered, oh, <laughs> that particular relationship. But, you know, um, Nick, when you were talking about neurodiversity... Yeah. Now, we know, because we've dug into what it is that you do, um, that you've spent a lot of time researching... Yeah. Neuropsychology. Yes. Um, so you are better placed than the vast majority of people on the planet to tell us the benefit of neurodiversity to a successful cybersecurity workplace. Yeah. So, so the first thing is is generally um, neurodiversity is, is is again an individual thing. So neurodiversity has been, and I'm autistic. Just to let you know what flavour of neurodiversity I am. But it, it, neurodiversity is often thought of as, that's a nice word for autistic, mm. but actually neurodiversity is dyspraxic, dyslexia, dyscalculia, ADHD. You know, it's a whole host of, of different ways of thinking. And one of the other things that people like to say glibly, and so I'm looking for somebody who thinks outside of the box, who's wired differently, who will see things that other people won't see. Well, we're literally wired differently. Mm. I mean, for example, autistic people, because um, I've done a lot of work around, you know, how, how does autism work? What, ha- what happens? And what it is, as far as science is currently aware, is um, when the neuron, neuron connections are forming in the brain, you get so many connections between your neurons. And we get more. So we're overwired. And if you think about it, that kind of makes sense, because a lot of autistic people are hypersensitive to sound and light and noise. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got more connections than other people, that makes sense. And so we might wear headphones. We might wear glasses where other people wouldn't wear glasses. And another popular, I believe, misconception for autistic people is that we are less emotional. Mm. Um, My experience is it's the opposite. We're hyper-emotional. Our emotions may react at different times, but just like hypersensitivity to we have to keep it blocked in Mm. because when you haven't got shades of gray random crying in the boardroom isn't apparently socially acceptable (laughs) right yeah however however reasonable it might be at the time to you um and you know i i literally won't watch the news well when when it's in the morning i i can't because i can't understand how if there are people that you could help up on the screen that other people are able to eat their breakfast. Yeah. I will literally yeah. feel physically ill if there is a, a, a war and I think, well, I could be helping that somehow. And, and, and I, I, will, and I will have I that deep, that. Yeah. deep connection. And so um, to me, the way I describe myself is it's like being a Vulcan in a room full of humans. So you're seen one way, but your inside is something entirely different. You spend a lot of time controlling reactions and being human in a room. In a room, and so a lot of my study has made so my particular insights tend to be around marketing and how people might behave. But the reason I have insights into human behaviour is because as a Vulcan, I've had to study humans in a really logical way and do lots of psychology and go, okay, if I do this. Oh, then the people do that. Mm-hmm. And if I use this word, 
then they tend to do that. So, for example, if I use the word, um, so we do configuration auditing software. Titania do configuration auditing software. So even though I do not want to disk scanners because they have a really good um, role to play in security, they're not as accurate. They can't be because they're outside tools. They attack things from the outside and then they use uh, interpretative data. Mm. Or as I like to say, best guesses. So if I want to explain all that in one word, I'll just use the word. You could use configuration auditors or you could use legacy software like mm -hmm. scanners. Now, that word legacy means a really specific thing in our industry. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that it is legacy software because at some stage it's going to be overtaken by something better. Yeah. But I will study every word when I, when I say things like that. And to me, who studied all this stuff, there's a lot of people out there that in our industry use things in a very different way um, that I'm not particularly proud of or impressed by. And the difference to me between influence and manipulation is who you're doing it for. So I influence people because my only real intent is making them more secure or bringing them information that will make them stronger, like mm -hmm. diversity. And I will use every tool in my arsenal to deliver that to those people. Go-giving is part of who I am as a human being. It's part of our company ethos. There are people that will use the same techniques and it is purely for them to sell more stuff. And that is manipulative, it's wrong, and it's why CISOs and CTOs have great difficulty trusting our industry. Mm. And when you mention about the language, mm. one of the things that... I'm, I'm coming across as quite angry on this podcast for some reason. <laughs> I don't mean to. But one of the things... Because my background studies in rhetoric... Right. So I'm always looking for the language that people use, but I'm kind of I'm there as the suspicious one going, ah well, that's just rhetoric. Cicero was doing that two thousand years ago. Um but what I'm on the lookout for is people trying people in our industry trying to blind potential clients with science. Mm. So using all of the terminology, not necessarily breaking that down, but going, but no, don't worry, you put that black box in, we'll just sort all of this oh, out. You know that it. makes me insane. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I th something that you mentioned that I think really has challenged, in a good way, the positive use of the word challenge, how I had perceived the different types of neurodiversity is that we have a, a stereotype in the industry that, oh, the engineers, they're all a little bit autistic, you know, with their headphones on and tunnel vision. And there is that, that kind of stereotypical perception of engineers that oh, they're normally they're young the guys on the spectrum so much until right. like in the last four or five years it became a thing in our industry and people would throw it about and say it oh to win brownie points as though it were something that were yeah and i'm like what the, there are people who actually consider themselves or are and it's not a term to be thrown about like you know like i'm gonna walk in and be like oh you're so gay you know right <laughs> Why would you walk right. out and say they're on the spectrum? I just, I, I've not so, understood that. I completely agree. So yeah. for me, that's like walking up to somebody in a wheelchair and saying, do you know what? I've got a bit of a limp. 
I'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit disabled this yeah. week yes. Yes. it's like no you've just put headphones on mate you are not on the spectrum because yes. yes. you're a little bit you know if you want to be on the spectrum you get to get all of the other stuff that comes Everything with it right with exactly it. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. it's not a lifestyle choice <laughs> no it really isn't <laughs> It's a neurological it's not, difference. It shouldn't be a hipster thing. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, I wish it was, because I'd love to be trendy. I've always... Oh, oh you it's are? A, it's a desire uh, uh, yeah, I've had. You are in my book, girl. Yeah. It's, a desire, it's a desire I've had. Nobody rocks, nobody rocks that like you. <laughs> That's because someone else will wear it. <laughs> right, crashing on. Um, so, I'm trying to make a serious point here. Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're, just, you're completely undoing Cicero rhetoric. I was listening. I'll re-listen later. Do, do go on. She wasn't. Look I at this. She's well, gone. I absolutely heard you say the word. She's, she's wandered off. Rhetoric. Into the corner <laughs> of the room. She's singing Studying a little song to herself. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we, with that stereotype yeah. of the engineer who's on the spectrum, quote-unquote, is this idea that, oh, but they're really good technically. They're really good at going down yes. rabbit holes yeah, and, and yeah, finding yeah. things. What you're saying is that there are certain people who are neurodiverse in whatever respect who might be really, really good at understanding other people because they may have had to put in the effort to do that. Yeah. So they could be behavioural experts yes. as well as technical experts. Well, just all types. I mean, I guess what I took away from it is that, you know, neurodiversity, because it's the outside the box type outside the box type of thinking, it brings in all types. So whether it's a behavioral perspective, whether it is an engineering perspective, you know, I think the thing that I really love about it is that it absolutely calls out the fact that everyone said, oh, I need you to think outside the box, Bob. We're, we're gonna have to get a little crazy with this one, Bob. This project needs some outside the box thinking, you know. Oh, great, could we hire this person who is actually autistic and thinks outside the box? Oh no, they don't fit the profile of what we're looking for. Right. What? Solve so, the presses. So problem. thinking outside <laughs> the box, that's another term that gets my, I'm, everything's getting my goat. Um, but because it's think, thinking outside of the box is most often said, I think, when, yes, they want someone who thinks outside of the box on their terms. Yeah. So what you're saying essentially is, and a lot of organisations that say things like think outside of the box, closely followed by the word synergistic or some other bingo word actually is looking for an evolution that's controllable rather than a revolution that they'd actually right. get if they hired people that think differently which is which is why you have organizations like kodak for example that decided they weren't going to go into digital <laughs> and and you know you, you have literally got people that instead of breaking their own business yeah. and then creating a new business just and increasingly yeah we hear in kind of recruitment situations oh and i and i had this i used to have to interview people and we used to have to we were asked to um assess whether we thought there might be a cultural fit <laughs> oh, now yes, 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 do yes. people who think outside the box also get to be cultural fits Cultural fit, that's such a hard one, isn't it? Because I've absolutely worked in organizations where culture fit has been a thing. And it's like, right, they've, they've interviewed with this person, this person, this person, and this person. Do you know what? They should change the question. It should be, could our culture support this person? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, great point. Because essentially, the culture of an... If, if what you're doing is saying, here's our culture, let's fit more people that fit this culture... 
Well, actually, if you are, if say your culture is going to the pub on a Friday afternoon, you're going to be a certain type of person who mm. wants to go to the pub on a Friday afternoon. So you are yeah. very likely to end up by default with groupthink, which is going to you're creating your own culture, and effectively, what that means is you are going to weaken your organisation. Love it. Now, yeah. if the question was, could our culture? support this person to enable them to do their best, mm-hmm. then that's going to be a different type of thing that it's, you would seek to do. It's the difference between a commitment to evolve yes. and a commitment to stand still. Mm-hmm. And why would, you, why would you commit not to evolve? I don't think it's a conscious Because that's choice. what they don't think. They I, don't, don't realise they're doing that. No, it yeah. goes back to the leadership books, right? So everybody's reading all these wonderful books. Oh, Bob told me to read this book. This book is amazing, right? Oh, Bob. I know. I love to pick on Bob. Alice, yeah. I'm going to pick on Alice. I promised I'd pick on Alison. But so the, the problem then is that you read these books and then you come away with an understanding of we must have culture in our business and then you're driving and mm. developing that but not looking at it, to your point, Nick, from the perspective of, uh, and I love the welcome mat idea, I'm sorry, I'll harp on about that some more, but putting out the welcome mat so that we are bringing people into and expanding at the same time Mm. our culture to be inclusive of all types of folks, thereby increasing and encompassing them into a more diverse workforce, which builds a better, stronger business and makes us more profitable. She said that very well. She did. It's like she practiced it. But it's not easy. And actually it gets worse before it gets better. Mm. Because, you know, whenever you get yourself out of your groove... So if you have everybody that thinks the same, you can make decisions quicker. Yeah. They're going to be faster decisions. They're going to let you move forward quicker. But is it going to be in the right direction? That's the challenge. Yeah. You got that out of leadership book, didn't you? Yeah, it's the one I'm writing. It's chapter three of the one I'm writing. And you know what? <laughs> this, this rings very true with some of the internet regulation stuff that I do. Because, you know, quite often when I'm asked to talk about things, it's about regulating social media companies and big tech as folk devils and all of that stuff. And um, those are some of the questions that are, that are being posited at the moment. And there have been a few, you know, kind of tech crunch and business insider stories about the group think mm. in some of these big tech companies and that uh, I must admit that does resonate with me that idea that oh well we say we tolerate dissent but if you've got a different view we'll go yeah thanks very much for that Vic um, we're gonna all go this way because mm. that's what we've always done we move really fast we move fast and break things kids we move really fast. Yes, we're very agile. We get decisions made. We make mistakes quickly, but only the mistakes we make we're mistakes quickly. <laughs> we make mistakes quickly, and it might backfire. Whereas if we'd have all taken a bit of time to really consider a range of views and a range of approaches and a range of ways of thinking, but we might have made a more sensible decision in the time first place. Money. What you need is an algorithm that shows the time is money algorithm versus the diversity gives you more money algorithm. I see what you did there, Vic. I see what you did there. Time is money. You've just shown me your phone. We have stepped over the 45 minute mark, which we've been told people do start to lose interest. Anybody that's running right now and using us as a guide to their running time. 45.33, we're just over. It's a massive run for them. So we've got to imagine these people are just just panting. Well done on your jog. (laughs) Just take a minute, enjoy the view. Have a little swig and the of water. next ten minutes, we talk about the best sexual experiences we've. Oh, sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the best. Well, actually, we can do some outtakes. 
<laughs> we can do some outtakes. We should, we'll do some outtakes. Now, wait, keeping that in mind, I did make us a reservation for six o'clock. Okay. Right, so we've got to go, kids. Um, thanks ever so much, Nicola Whiting. Nicola Whiting, if you'd just like to say your name again, because I really, really enjoyed how you said it. I'll, I'll say it the sort of way that I get after a throaty cough. It'd be like, Nicola Whiting. Oh. The CSO good, of Titania. Sexy lady, if you don't mind me saying so. Is that okay to call you a sexy lady? You may call me a sexy lady whenever you like. <laughs> and on that note, we might see you in a few weeks' time. Or hear you. We might hear us. Tune in for the next exciting podcast where we talk about... No. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. Bye-bye.